Hello and welcome to the Florida Woman Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Jones. That's your host, Alex Jones, and I'm your other host, Alex Jones. <laughs> listen, listen, I'm a Florida woman, okay? So I have just as many conspiracy theories in the old vault here as you'd expect, <laughs> all right? Just as many okay. as any other Floridian. Now, let's explain a little bit why we're starting off with uh, with Alex Jones jokes. I'm actually Nathan Simpson, by and, the way. And I am Kelsey Ann Wacker. We're your hosts of the Florida Woman Podcast. You guys, podcast. wait, should I be Kelsey Ann Simpson or should I be Kelsey Simpson? I need y'all to vote on this because it's keeping me up at night. Should I change my name? I never Just thought I would change my name put ever, a ever. Put a poll on the Instagram. I'll put a Instagram. poll on the Instagram. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. I'm surprised it's taking you that long to do that. No, you're right. You're right. Yeah. So, Kelsey Ann, why exactly are we making Alex Jones jokes? Because today's episode is about Florida's conspicuous connection to the events of 9-11. You mean that human tragedy that happened not two miles away from where we're sitting right now in 2001 but you know so i did research on this episode and i just i have come to terms with the fact that i cannot escape my true nature like Mm -hmm. i have this inborn need to blame the government for a vast conspiracy and (laughs) cover-up it's embedded deep within my soul you can take the girl out of florida but i am not sure you can take the florida out of the girl what kelsey ann is referring to is that as part of her research for this episode she did her real research and then she watched a little old documentary known as loose change that's the one ever heard of it (laughs) i finally watched it like i had been holding out watching loose change because i knew i knew i would become a truther if i watched it (laughs) oh my god self-knowledge is preventative medicine you can't become a truther think i am you've been eating too much fucking what's that what's alex jones like brain supplement called oh fuck i don't know but he hawks all sorts Neuralink, of something like that yeah. yeah yeah well something brain jet fuel can't melt steel beams i'll say that yeah kelsey and learned that jet <laughs> fuel can't melt steel beams that might be the research. only thing i disagree with on that documentary <laughs> <laughs> we joke but i'm also not really joking okay so to circle back you are telling me that 9-11, let's say the deadliest day in American history since Pearl Harbor, um, could not have happened without the involvement of the state of Florida. You would be correct. Yes. So let's get into that. Florida played a big role in 9-11. Some might say massive. Besides New York City and Washington, D.C., there is no other place in the nation that has a more chilling and unusual connection to the events of September 11th, 2001. Washington, D.C. and New York City being the places where the attacks actually happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, the attacks the day the U.S. government and their dear ally, the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, flew All right. planes All right. into Slow the down. Twin Towers Slow of the down. Pentagon. And I don't know what happened with the fourth plane, but it may not have actually landed in a field in Pennsylvania <laughs> in order to go to war with oil-rich oh, regions man. She's going to start talking about Building 7 anytime now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's fine. Um, so right. now listen, I'm not here to tell you what you think. As truthers say, do your mm-hmm. own research. Mm-hmm. But I can tell you this. Why is it, Nathan, that when I Google 9-11 is an inside job, uh-huh. these search results come up? Mm-hmm. Seven resources debunking 9-11 conspiracy theories. 
The people who think 9-11 may have been an inside job are wrong. Wow, that one's really bold. Conspiracy theory is still spreading dangerously after 20 years. 9-11 was an inside job, the psychology of extraordinary beliefs. I have something of a guess about why those are coming up when you Google that. Hit me. Perhaps it wasn't an inside job after all. Well, if it wasn't an inside job, why thought. would they need to jam it down your throat? <laughs> You're saying <laughs> they're trying too so hard. so concerned about making sure you understand it's a conspiracy theory. <laughs> and that's sus. That's fishy to me. Is and yes, so? I do take psychiatric drugs. <laughs> that's also I true. I am on Wellbutrin. Okay? This is also true. To manage true. my highs and lows. So that's right. Take that with a grain of salt. That but is anyway, absolutely true. Let's zero in on our favorite peninsula of the wild and the wacky. Florida. The beautiful. Let me tell you some things that happened there that are in connection to the 9-11 events. Please. Number one. Enlighten me. The night before the tragedy on September mm-hmm. 10th, President George W. Bush stayed at the Colony Beach and Tennis Resort near Longboat Key, Florida. And he had dinner with several top Republicans and his brother, then Florida Governor Jeb Bush. Jeb! Please clap. Uh, he ordered a Texas tortilla soup. And a New York strip steak. Great. Wait, was he trying to send a message? Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. Number two. The day of September 11th, 2001, uh-huh. at 9 a.m., President George W. Bush, who refused to testify to the farce that was the 9-11 Commission without being accompanied by Vice President Dick Cheney, was ushered into the halls of Emma E. Booker Elementary in the historically black neighborhood of Newtown within the city of Sarasota, Florida. Snipers were on the roof. By the time he arrived, the first tower had already been struck. He sat in the classroom and read to and with 150 students from the book My Pet Goat. I have to admit, I watched the entire session online and George W. was not at all awkward around the kids. Like, honestly, he was a natural. Like, I could see a lot of other presidents just being so uncomfortable. That's not why they wanted the job. They don't want to have to parade themselves around to a fucking classroom of snot-nosed kids. yeah, George W. Bush is like a sweet guy. He's like, you know, for all the bad shit that happened during his presidency that he ultimately is responsible for, as a guy, he seems like kind of nice and sweet. Yeah, you know? he was just such a he was at ease. Mm-hmm. He just had this like very gentle presence about him. He yeah, seems like, like actually interesting. Fucking imagine Donald Trump sitting there surrounded by kids like Oh God, I know. And yeah, heaven just, forbid ugh. black kids at that, he'd be like, Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> he wouldn't have any idea what to do I with know. that. Biden knows what to do with black kids. <laughs> What? Don't you remember that when he hung out at the swimming pool and oh, yeah. held them captive for like 45 minutes telling yeah. a story about this fucking gangster who used to, he used yep. to be a lifeguard there, right? And there was yep. this gangster, he got in a fight with him, and his name was Corn Pop. Yes, I remember that. And the kids were like, I lost interest a long time ago. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny. They're all smiling painfully like, uh, can and we go play now? Making them. And yeah. Biden just keeps going on and on about corn pop and, and how he had like a bicycle knife chain. How, yeah, yeah, exactly. Bicycle chain, yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, My Pet Goat is actually about a, like a carjacker. Like a, what? Like a, a carjacker? A, car, a car thief? Explain it's, that to me. It's really odd. I'll talk about my pet goat later. Okay. Um, but so he um, 
he's reading to them and they're reading to him actually as well. And oh yeah, then it, very famous video. Mm-hmm. And then a few minutes in, his chief of staff, Andrew Card, mm-hmm. whispered into his ear that the second tower had been hit and that our nation was under attack. Yep. And to get a little bit more serious, I mean like his expression and reaction were... What, it's it's one for the history books. I mean, they were the source of much scrutiny and criticism oh, throughout yeah. the years. Um, but, I mean, let me tell you something else I'm ashamed to admit. Like, I burst into tears when I watched his reaction to that news. And I know a lot of people, like a lot of people took issue with his reaction. And I take issue with a lot of things his administration did. But to me, like... His reaction there in that classroom was probably one of the most humanizing things that I've ever seen from a president. He froze. He was traumatized and terrorized. He just had to sit there and fucking not break down, you know, not lose his shit. Yeah, he, I don't know. I don't know if like I just see myself in that reaction and that's why it hits me or like, I feel like he's just all of us at that moment. And yeah. like, I don't know how much he knew or didn't know at that point. Um, you know, there's plenty of rabbit holes to go down wh- where he mm-hmm. didn't really know much. And like, it was his administration that like thought he was kind of a dummy and they worked behind his back. And then there's some yeah. that like, of course he knew and he's a lot smarter than we think and blah, blah, blah. And then there's the rabbit hole of like, it, we actually were attacked and no one in the government had any idea it was going to happen and blah, right. blah, blah. Lots of different rabbit holes to go down with this, but with this particular event in history. But just he's just sitting there with a thousand yard stare. You could just really see is. every thought of what, like fucking nuclear war probably, like invading other countries, like uh, all of the fucking devastation that's happening. You could see it flashing before his very eyes. Yeah, you, you can. Know? And he's just sitting there going like, oh, no, I didn't think it was going to happen to me. Just like that. And I think a lot of people um, criticize him, you know, I mean, to varying degrees of correctness because they want somebody in a president who just snaps into action immediately and like is, you know, is a leader. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, he's ultimately, no matter who it is, it's just a guy. It's just going to be a guy sitting there. And when something that massive and that horrible happens, it doesn't matter who you are, if you're the president or if you're just like an ordinary soldier or a citizen, you're going to freeze. You're right. I think he was all of us at that moment. We were all, what the fuck is happening? What are we going to do? Yeah. Yeah. And there's like just this mixture, and I may be sort of projecting, but there just seems to be this mixture of, yeah, being frozen, being scared, mm-hmm. being the feeling of responsibility, Yeah. a little bit of like confusion even yeah and you know i personally don't think it would have helped if he like jumped up and did something like i i don't know i don't know how anything could have been different if he did that yeah man what he did which was just keep a straight face sit in the classroom not Mm -hmm. scare the kids Mm -hmm. continue the lesson finish the lesson yeah and then he knows what to do after that yeah i mean they have to like (laughs) I mean, they have to get Air Force One ready, and they have to get the fucking motorcade ready outside, so it's going to take a minute or two, I think. Yeah, yeah, I don't think it would be the right response to just jump up and run out of the room, you know, if you're the president. Anyhow, I think you respond to it in particular because you have, like, a... 
you have this like caring sort of mothering impulse. Yeah. You this happens when you watch sports too. You like have to you have to avert your eyes and like hide your face yeah. if somebody starts losing too badly mm-hmm. or if like something you know tragic on the on the field of play happens. Yep. Particularly with pitchers, like if you're watching a baseball game and a pitcher starts getting like really, really in the shit, up. yeah, starts yeah. blowing up, getting the yips. Yeah. Yeah, that really fucks That's really you up. That's really bad for me. But I that think it's like the same. War movies. Comes from the same place. Yeah. You watching George Bush going, "Oh no." Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, "He's my son." Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Though, you know. He's the president. I know. Um so directly after that, he was debriefed on the situation in a vacant classroom. Mm-hmm. At 9:30 a.m., he addressed the nation from that classroom. Today, we had a national tragedy. Yeah. That speech. So then the president, his staff, and Air Force 1 took off from Sarasota Bradenton Airport. And another strange thing that happened was that... We were that just there. We were just there. We They have a direct flight now from LaGuardia to That's Sarasota. right. That's right. Um, another strange thing that happened was that Air Force One took off straight up into the air. Mm-hmm. Like a rocket, like a missile. Mm-hmm. And it says, normally planes take off into the wind, but Colonel Mark Tillman, the pilot went in a different direction because someone thought they saw a person at the end of the runway with some type of weapon. It turned out to be a man holding a camera. But in a blink, the plane was over the Gulf of Mexico, where it went into a holding pattern because an anonymous tip had come in, Angel is next. Angel was the codename for Air Force One. Right. Holy shit, dude. I mean, and that's, you can see it right there. That was the very first moment of post 9-11 paranoia. Yeah. That was the new paradigm. That moment was it. Yep. The first time the fucking pilot of Air Force One mistook a guy with a camera for, you know, a guy with a machine gun, that was it. That defined American culture for the next decade, maybe At more. At least. I think yeah. we're still there. I mean, you know. I think we've moved on from terrorism being the ever-present threat. You know, it was COVID for a minute. Now, I mean, now it's Russia. Russian spies. Yeah. Like, like domestic terrorism, though. Like Oh, yeah. White nationalism and mm-hmm. fucking, you know, school shooters and shit. Yep. Yeah, that's still very much. I mean, not two months ago, we were in LaGuardia, and there was a an alarm, like almost like a fire alarm, but kind of scarier. <laughs> <laughs> it did sound scary. Well, it was like different somehow. It wasn't like a fire alarm like you would hear in a school. It was some sort of just very eerie alarm. And then a, an official sounding man came over the radio and said like basically there's an investigation they don't really know what they can tell us at this time but like it was something about a fire a potential fire a potential suspicion like a potential package it was something like that yeah yeah and you know there it was left vague like that but his voice was a little afraid as well and you could tell it was live it wasn't like you know a a standard recording that they play it was like a guy with a new york accent right had to come on and like not sound scared and say that like everyone should just kind of like stay put. Oh yeah, fucking absolutely. I mean, it was it was a really tense moment. It was scary. And then um, and it you did know, it didn't sound like the like a fire alarm. No, like, it I didn't. think it was in response to a fire alarm that had been pulled. Mm. But it like the alarm that they announced over the like loudspeakers was like a it was a lot scarier. It sounded it like, like there was like a like a chemical something. hazard or mm-hmm. something like that, yeah. like a hazmat situation. It sounded scary. And then. Um, you know, five minutes later, he came on and said that it was that it's been checked out and it was like a false alarm and everyone yeah. should just be about their business. But yeah. you know, that even twenty two so, years later, absolutely like everybody in that airport was thinking about the same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
totally. Even to this day. You're right. It'll never it'll never go away from our our public consciousness. Yeah, yeah. You're right. You're right. So let's right now get our hijackers straight before we continue to some of the other things that happened in Florida on this day. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I'm gonna give you a rundown on let's go. American Airlines Flight 11. Mm-hmm. We have the oldest among them and the ringleader of the group. Mohammed Atta, mm-hmm. yeah, 33, that name. Yeah. from Egypt. 33? Yes. Fuck me. Yeah. And on board with him are four other men in their mm-hmm. 20s from Saudi Arabia. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Flight 11 departed from Boston's Logan Airport bound for LAX. Right. And it crashed into the North Tower, the World Trade Center North Tower. Yeah. On United Airlines Flight 175, we have Marwan Al-Shahi, okay. 23, from the United Arab Emirates and four other guys in their 20s, from one from UAE and the rest from Saudi Arabia. Yeah. It also took off from Logan in Boston, bound for Los Angeles, and it uh-huh. crashed into the World Trade Center South Tower. Yep. Then we have American Airlines Flight 77. We have Hani Hanjor, mm-hmm. 29, from Saudi Arabia, mm-hmm. and four other men in their 20s from... You guessed it, Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia. It took off from Washington Dulles in D.C., bound yeah. for L.A., mm-hmm. and turned back around to crash into the Pentagon. Then we have United Airlines Flight 93. We have Ziad Jara, 26, from Lebanon, and three other guys from Saudi Arabia. A couple of these guys were 20. Like, yeah, that's they were what like I... Fi- like five or six, like 20-year-old guys. I like, always thought all of them were that age. But you're telling just me the there are people was, who are like real grown adults. No, not I mean, I mean, thirty-three. I don't know. There right? was one guy that was thirty-three, yeah. one guy who was twenty-nine, mm-hmm. and the rest were like youngsters. We're like pretty young, like yeah, it makes a sense. lot were 20, 21, 22, 23. Well, those are the 24. people who do shit like this anyway. I know. Yeah, they're full of testosterone. I mean, they're practically teenagers. They're like, not thinking about too especially much. for a man. Like yeah. your brain, yeah. not developed at 20. No, definitely not. Yeah. Now, so you mentioned that a good like 70% of these guys were from Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Can Is there a, a particular country in Central Asia um, that may begin with an A that you notice that none of these people are from? That would be Afghanistan. Yeah. Is there a single Afghan guy on any of these planes? No. Not a no. one. Not a one. Mm-mm. Yep. Not an Iraqi. Not a Pakistani. Not an Iraqi. <laughs> nope. Not a Pakistani. Nope. Not Definitely an Afghan. Not. No. Nope. So anyway, United Airlines Flight 93, it took off from Newark, New Jersey, bound yeah. for San Francisco, and it ended up in a field in Somerset County, Pennsylvania. Yeah. That's that. So, right, just to highlight the aspect you were just talking about, because I am losing my mind, there were 15 guys from Saudi Arabia, two guys from the United Arab Emirates, one Egyptian, and one Lebanese guy. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So. So, Afghanistan conspicuously missing from that mix. And to this day, Saudi Arabia remains one of the U.S.'s closest allies. Absolutely. Absolutely. Here's what I'd like to say. Because I know you're going to be throwing out some conspiracy takes, mm-hmm. and that's all. That's all in good fun. It's I just hope fun, our listeners honestly, know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, there's a kernel of truth to every conspiracy, and you can see that in this, um, something is clearly amiss. That we invaded Afghanistan and stayed there for 20 years, just because that's where Osama bin Laden was hanging out. But Saudi Arabia, 
But Saudi Arabia saw absolutely no punitive measures, no response whatsoever from us. The There is obviously a whole lot of foul play going on behind the scenes and weird, complicated geopolitics going on behind the scenes. And the narrative is not exactly as it was. The true narrative is not necessarily as it was presented to the U.S. public. At that time. I think we can all agree on that. I think pretty much everyone can agree on that, yes. Yeah. Also, correct me if I'm wrong, Osama bin Laden was actually Saudi, right? He's from the House of Saud, I believe. Yeah. I think he was a Saudi royal, if not just a like a scion of Saudi wealth. Exactly. Either one of those things. But um, yeah, he was basically, he grew up with the Playboy lifestyle, essentially. Mm -hmm. Fast sports cars, like... Uh, Western universities, like drinking, smoking, that hanging dude, out with probably chicks. Probably a lion or two in his possession. <laughs> yeah, a, yeah, a, a wild Bengal animals. Tiger. They do a lot of that in Saudi they Arabia. They love that. They stuff. sure do. Yeah. Anyhow, um, yeah, and then he went renegade when he got into his mid twenties mm-hmm. and went off to you know go be a like revolutionary. Yeah, and I, I guess now that we're talking about this, I I've been thinking a lot about Osama bin Laden because. I researched these hijackers a little bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, I definitely like stalked their Wikipedias and maybe one other article. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't say like I'm an expert, but you know, for instance, all of the guy, the leaders. Mm-hmm. So that is Ziad Jara, Mohammed Atta, Marwan Al Shahi, and Hani Hanjour. Yeah, three of those guys grew up wealthy, privileged, influential, Uh somewhat connected to the royal family in Saudi Arabia. Yep. One guy, um, he grew up middle class, um, Mm -hmm. and he was the only guy when doing my research that I found um, seemed religious. and Like very religious. Well, not even like his whole life or anything. Like he was raised secular. Yeah. Like the rest of these guys for the most part. Um, Mm -hmm. But I felt like he kind of is the only one that I could find a sort of come to Jesus, but not Jesus, come to Muhammad. Allah, yeah. <laughs> come to Muhammad moment yeah. where, you know, he seemed like a guy who wanted to fight. He seems like a guy who loved to fly. Like actually he wanted to be a pilot his whole life. Like yeah. he wanted to be in the Air Force. He was like obsessed with planes and he was like a yearner. Mm-hmm. Like he was a striver and... You know, he seems like the only one that may have been motivated by ideology. Motivated by ideology, who is perhaps like a true believer. Yeah. Um, or dogma, I should say. Yeah, and I just, I just couldn't see that track in a lot of these other profiles of these yes. guys. And I think that that gets to um, what I see as the true heart of the of the, all these conspiracy theories, which is like there must be something more to this story, right? I think that the 9-11 attacks were, and I'm pretty sure you could get a lot of people to to agree with this, were much more motivated by uh, geopolitics and by wanting, let's say, revenge on the West for the way that it had sort of exploited and mistreated and bombed out and owned and ransacked the Middle East yep. for so long. Mm-hmm. And that's why they attacked the economic institution. And the like, the military, the seat of military power, mm-hmm. right? Yep. I think that they saw the United States specifically as the main agent of all of the destruction that had been wrought on the Middle East, yep. especially in the uh, the United States's 
you know, ongoing battle against the spread of socialism and communism worldwide, we had destabilized and fucked up and ruined a whole lot of countries over there. And I think there were a lot of people who grew up in pretty blasted out, fucked up circumstances who wanted to take revenge. Yeah. And I think that that is not so hard to understand. And that the the fact that the United States spent the next decade blaming Islamo-fascism mm-hmm. or whatever, like religious identity or ideology as the the basis for this like geopolitical strife Mm -hmm. rather than wanting to own up to its role in creating the problem in the first place um i think that that is the disconnect that conspiracy truthers or whatever are feeling and sensing the true disconnect between what's really going on and what the the mainstream Narrative uh, narrative would say um but then what they do, and this is what ultimately happens with every conspiracy, is it attracts people who um, extrapolate without evidence, right? Mm-hmm. And begin to start going off in all kinds of different crazy directions and thinking all these different things mm-hmm. about like, you know, the trilateral commission or what the fuck ever. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, a, there's a heart of Anti-Semitic. truth. Anti-Semitic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is. Exactly. Yeah. Um, there's a heart of truth to every conspiracy, but then, you know it gets a little too inventive and it goes off the rails. Yeah. But I'd like to say that there is some legitimacy to the fact that um, we know that these guys were a lot more secular than they yeah. were religious. Yeah. They may all have been Muslim, but they I think these attacks were motivated by much more secular ideology yeah. than religious ideology. I almost too wonder, because these were young men, um, how... I like I've never heard anyone say this for the record ever Mm -hmm. but like I feel like their families were probably paid a pretty penny you know do you think so by like the Saudi government yeah could be could be yeah a lot of shady shit going on yeah in the (laughs) in the back channels of geopolitics Osama bin Laden never said he did the attacks one thing second thing he did praise the attacks and said that that was very good that someone (laughs) did that but that Uh he didn't really do it and we know for a fact that when the CIA was doing some some trainings, some, I guess they call it war games, which I find so bizarre. Yeah. I had never heard that term. But um, that were about a commercial airliner yeah. being hijacked and uh, forced into the cockpit and st- like crashing those Flown commercial into airliners into buildings. Yeah. They did this exercise in the CIA mm-hmm. training and... On the front cover of that war game manual was mm-hmm. a picture of Osama bin Laden. I just think they, I think he was a really bad guy. He sounds bad. Oh, this is but interesting. I think that they picked him out as, and I'm not going to say scapegoat because he was a bad guy, but I just don't think he was as connected to these, to these attacks as they would have you believe. Now that's fast. I never heard that before. I know. I just made that up. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. I just made that up. That's a little, that's a little Florida spin for you. Well, you didn't know that he was responsible for the initial bombings. I do. In 1994. I did know that. Yeah. Also, when I look at him mm-hmm. again, purely conjecture just from my brain to mm-hmm. your ears. When I watch videos of him, I don't see a particularly genuinely religious person. I'm just talking about the oh, eyes. Oh, definitely When not. I look at him, I see L. Ron Hubbard. 
Yes, exactly. He's what he did was exactly what L. Ron Hubbard did, which was establish a cult of personality yeah. around himself. And he was he was power he was hungry, charismatic. He was charismatic. People like fell in love with him. Exactly. He could do whatever he wanted. He but had so yeah, much power. he had that personality type, the type mm-hmm. that like gets people to do what you want. He he didn't necessarily, I think, have a really fervent religious belief. In fact, they found like a shit ton of like pornos oh, and yeah, like dude. like booze in his like hidey hole mm-hmm. when they finally raided it and killed him. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, how Wahhabist can you really be or how fundamentally, like, Islamist can you really be if you're sitting around, like, jerking it to porn on your dialysis machine, you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Drinking a lot of Mountain Dew. Did you know that? Mountain Dew was his thing? The Taliban They love Mountain Mountain Dew? Dew. That's fucking funny. They fucking drink more of that shit than anybody. They love it. It's in all their videos. They fucking get hyped. Wow. They're not allowed to drink or whatever. I'm sure they do if they want to, but they're not allowed. I'm sure and so they like do. Mountain Dew is kind of like their drug of choice. And opium. And opium. Yeah, yeah. that's true. I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, anyway. All right. Enough of that. So let's talk about yeah. the um Florida flight schools. Yes. So this is one of my favorite Florida connections to 9-11. Can you guess why they did this in Florida? Because there's Little regulation, little oversight, and there's a very transient population. So it just makes sense that a bunch of Middle Eastern guys come in and like want to get their pilot's license yes. in Florida. Yes, because that kind of thing is just happening down there. Yes. Wow. Okay. So people go on. are moving around all the time. Mm-hmm. It is. It is pretty multicultural. It's not like going to a town in the middle of Iowa and like you'd probably stick out a little bit more people. That's not a tourism area that people don't come and go from right. places like that, right. you know, very often. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's the, the very temporary nature of a lot of the populations, yeah. the diversity and a lot of lack of infrastructure, a mm-hmm. lot of, a lot of legal loopholes. I mean, Florida's known for that. So yeah. I just think it's the perfect place. Um, so, Mohammed Atta and Marwan Al-Shahi, they learned to fly at the Huffman Aviation School in Venice, Florida. Yeah. They were the ones who flew the planes into the Twin Towers. Yeah. Rudy Deckers, the former owner of the flight school, trained them. Quote, there was nothing we could have seen that they were terrorists. I wish, because then I could have stopped it. (laughs) Deckers said in an interview days after the 9-11 attack. Um... But and that's just, what you were saying. It's these guys were all, were so much more secular than the whole American population had been led to believe. Oh, you yeah. know what I mean? They weren't fucking wearing like linen, nope. you know, the little vest and the turban, like the the translator uniform that we're like all used to seeing. Like they, no, they, they just like dressed like shadows. And yeah, Levi's. dude. And they were all college educated too, weren't in they? In America, for the most, for part. the most part. Yeah, yeah. So it's like you can't just spot these people, even though like. That was what we were sort of spun, Mm -hmm. you know, for the next Mm -hmm. decade. Yeah. And to be afraid of people that looked like what they implied these people must have walked around looking like. Right. Exactly. They They just looked like olive skinned guys wearing polo shirts. Like, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Um, But anyway, so I find that quote funny. There was nothing that we could have seen to kind of insinuate that they were terrorists. But Mohammed Atta showed up to the flight school unannounced with Mm -hmm. $20,000 in cash inside of a briefcase. Okay, that's a little weird. (laughs) And was like, this is for all of us. You will be training us. (laughs) (laughs) But in Florida, you go, okay. Again. If somebody gives you a suitcase full of cash in Florida, you know what I mean? Yeah. 
No joke. I'd be like, okay. okay Hide it under fine. my bed, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, after the attacks, the school understandably went belly up. Um, yeah. Deckers had to file for bankruptcy. In 2012, Deckers was arrested boarding a plane in Texas with over 18 kilos of cocaine and a kilo oh, of man. heroin. See, that's what I would have suspected that they were learning to fly planes for. I would have suspected that somebody who showed up with a briefcase with twenty thousand dollars in a cash, drug runner, a yeah, drug was trafficker, learning to fly planes between South America and Miami. Me too. You know what I mean? Me too. Which I'm fine with. I'm fine frankly. with that too. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So that's what he was doing. Mm-hmm. He wrote a memoir titled "Guilt by Association." Shit, dude. It didn't sell well. Ah, man. This guy's life got totally fucking ruined. And he now lives in the Dominican Republic after serving time for those federal drug charges. Shit, buddy. Yeah. I hope your toes are in the sand somewhere, man. Yeah. Got a cool So his life got ruined. Yeah. He was like, I was living the American dream, and then my my school got shut down. (laughs) Because of 9 11. Yeah. Because I helped on accident. Yeah, he helped. Shit. Um,. So one of the other Can you imagine that fucking morning when you learn when you learn that your students were the ones who did it? Go yeah. oh fuck. And the FBI showed up that day. Oh dude. Yeah. God damn it, dude. Yeah. White knuckling that shit. Yeah. Not wait, not that Muhammad Atta. <laughs> I know. Right? I know. Oh god. Yeah. Yeah. Um so Zayed Jara. Mm-hmm. He was the one who crashed the plane in Pennsylvania. Yeah. He took his flying lessons in Venice as well mm-hmm. at a different school called the Florida Flight Training School, which still exists. Ah, they fucking got they away with survived. it. Huh? Interesting. Yeah. Now, they Hanny... got away with it. Okay, not implying anything about the <laughs> no, Florida no, Flight no, School. No, no. Now, Hanny Hanjor, mm-hmm. he was the only one who did not train in Florida, mm-hmm. and he trained in the other Florida. Australia? Arizona. 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 And he even attended the University of Arizona for a year. Oh, well. Yeah. So did your mom. Yeah, exactly. No, Arizona State. Oh, Arizona State. Pardon me. Pardon me. Yes, 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 yes. So um, four months later, Atta and Al-Shahi practiced on a Boeing 727 simulator, also in Florida, at the Opalaka Aviation School. God damn, dude. Now, the home of the hijackers, Atta and Al-Shahi, was Nokomis, Florida. They lived in a two-bedroom that they rented for $550 a month. Can you imagine? Must be nice. I know. Fuck. Um, now, Can't get that anywhere in Florida anymore. No, God. I just looked up prices just for fun in Miami, and you can't find anything, and I mean a one-bedroom, a studio, it doesn't matter, in Miami proper for less than... 2900 i mean it's, it's fucking insane. bananas almost it's worse than new york three. it's yeah it's almost worse than new york i think it it's, is worse than well new no york it's manhattan prices we're getting fucking yeah exactly it's not it's necessarily manhattan brooklyn prices. prices which is what we're dealing with and we're getting fucked we're getting fucked in the yeah. ass out of our apartment our as we speak being raised 500 dollars a month just like that folks anyway so now i'm going to talk to you about the home of the hijacking financiers so a family from Saudi Arabia uh-huh. with deep ties to the Saudi royal family uh-huh. lived in an upscale home in a posh gated neighborhood in Sarasota. In Sarasota. Called Prestancia? Prestancia? Not exactly sure. It was in Sarasota. <laughs> they were 
Abdulazi Al. Okay, you guys know I pronounce things wrong. This is this is just me off the cuff. I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm trying. We're trying. Abdulazi Al Hiji mm-hmm. and his wife Anud mm-hmm. and their small children. The home was owned by Anud's father, Esam Gazawi. Mm-hmm. And he was an, a very famous, wealthy interior decorator <laughs> who uh, was also a financier and who owned several God, properties in the United States. So 9-11 was funded by interior decorating in Sarasota. Yes. You have got to be fucking kidding me. I'm straight, dog. Oh, my God. So um, they fled their large tropical abode. Yeah. Two weeks to the day before 9-11, in a hurry, jewelry, clothes, like dishes in the sink, luxury cars, all left behind, Range Rovers, everything. Um, the Where log, did they go? Back to Saudi, back Arabia? To Saudi Arabia? But This in a is fucking, fucking insane, dude. Yeah. Like, you got to imagine. Pool you, toys. Guys, pool. you're enjoying this, right? Isn't it nice? Don't you like living in Florida in this big American house with all your like sports cars and stuff? Like, isn't it kind of nice to live in America? Didn't you like going to college here? What the fuck? Oh, yeah, y'all? yeah. One of the guys went to USF, I think, University yeah. of South Florida in Tampa. And um, I'll tell you why they loved the house so much, Nathan. Why? And why, why do you think this was? Family from the Middle East mm-hmm. in a home in Florida. Why do you think they would like that? They have something. A pool? Something. Ab- well, sure. The okay. pool, floor what? to ceiling tile. Floor to ceiling tile. Totally make them feel right at home. Right at home. This is There's true. Something this about is true. like people from a the Mediterranean, climate, Mediterranean when they design an apartment in this. You see this all across New York City, Eastern Europe, and the Mediterranean and the Middle East. If your landlord is, let's say, Israeli or Polish or, or Greek, Greek yeah, yeah. yeah. You're going to walk into an apartment that is absolutely covered in shiny ceramic tile. Yes. Like every, every surface. surface. It's crazy. They love tile. They love it so fucking much. And they much. love decorative lights. And by that, I mean lights that change color like yeah, in a they discotheque. Do. They it's even true. put them in the bathroom or It's the so hallway. true. Oh my God. I've seen it in the toilet in, in certain toilet? places. Inside? Blue, like like color changing lights. You know what I mean? They change like from purple, like red green. to green to oh blue. Yeah. Inside the they toilet bowl. That. They fucking do. Yeah. They love it so much. <laughs> it's so funny. Um, yeah. All of those cultures share that same trait. Mm-hmm. And the I mean, it's got to be because it's like cool to the touch, right? Has to be because they live in a hot climate. Has to be. Yeah. Um. So logs from the community. Doesn't explain Poland. No, it doesn't. Eastern Europe. I think they just like that. They like the look. Well, they they want to be able to hose off. What you know? Whatever. Whatever a dead body or body crime scene. Someone got roughed up. Somebody got roughed up a little bit. Can just be hosed down. Mm -hmm. No, no stains on the carpet. That's for sure. (laughs) That's right. That's right. So the logs from the gated community's gate Mm -hmm. proved that three of the hijackers frequented that home in Sarasota almost daily. This is so crazy. I I mean I, I had no idea that the financiers lived in Florida. Yes. That is wild. Now. This information uh-huh. was not included in the 9-11 Commission report. Yeah. Because remember, Saudi Arabia had nothing to do with 9-11, according to the U.S. government's official stance. Yeah. Still, they still say that. I mean, it's fucking incredible, isn't it? It's insane. It is insane. 
Um, and while religious extremism as a motive, you know, that's the official, official position, mm-hmm. as we've discussed, all of the um, residents of that home in Sarasota dressed mm-hmm. in Western clothes, the, wom- the woman had like long flowing hair that she mm-hmm. wore down mm-hmm. and styled and she wore makeup and they would often go to the Sarasota mall yeah. and they frequented, they loved to go see movies. They yeah. would go see a movie like at least once a week at the Sarasota Square Movie Theater. Dude. They were seen eating hot dogs, drinking cocktails. Hot dogs? Wearing blue jeans. Pork? Yeah. Yeah. Alcohol? Blue jeans? Dude. Yeah. So you got to wonder, what the fuck was the actual motive? Were they trying to destabilize the U.S. economy so that so that the, uh, Saudi Arabia could be a yeah, major player? I don't know. Were they trying to, were they working in fact with the United States government in order to like make sure that Saudi oil fueled whatever war machines went to the Middle East? I mean, we're still allies to this day. I don't yeah. think it's that far-fetched. Nor we do I. We love working with them for some fucking reason. But we don't know. And that's really no, the No, of point. course not. Yeah. And all of my speculation and all of my digging and all of my like, very tongue-in-cheek conspiracy yeah, theory yeah. like talk on this podcast. I hope you guys know it's all victim-focused. And I'm serious. I The only reason that I'm interested in digging up a little dirt and like following some threads is because I think that the American people were pretty duped. And that includes yeah. the people that lost their lives on 9-11. Yeah. That didn't have jack shit to do with it. And the, and the shitloads of people who lost their lives afterwards the as a result of the wars that happened like, because of 9-11. You guys deserve better. And oh, by the way, when they left so unceremoniously, the gated neighbor's security guard, in conjunction with the Sarasota Sheriff's Office, yeah. called the FBI. They called had a, the FBI. They had a gut feeling about the family's sudden departure. I mean, it does seem a little suspicious, doesn't it? Yeah. But I, again, it being Florida, I'd be like, oh shit, these guys are laundering a shit ton of money. Or like, oh shit, these guys are importing a fuck ton of drugs. Yeah. yeah. Well, they didn't call the FBI and they were like, we're worried about terrorism. Like, yes, exactly. I'm sure they were just like, this looks Because nobody did that back then. No, it was only after 9-11. Yeah. Yeah. The one, t- the one time they should have. <laughs> Another uh, neighbor, too, in the community yeah. also sensed something suspicious with them. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully it just wasn't their skin color yeah and uh contacted the fbi so two people the security guard well actually three the sarasota sheriff's office and a neighbor contacted the fbi about this family and the fbi did not follow up typical Typical. so another thing remember the guy who owns the house Mm -hmm. asam gazawi Mm -hmm. so Gazawi posted photos on his personal website of himself posing with world leaders, including President George H.W. Bush, British Prime Minister John Major, and Pakistani Prime Minister Benzir Bhutto. Wow. There's a picture. I'm going to show it to you right now. (laughs) I'm looking at this photo. It definitely, it's not posed. It definitely doesn't look like H.W. knows he's getting his picture taken. Not you know really, I mean? does it? Yeah. yeah. No. Uh, Benazir so, Bhutto, huh? Yeah, the guy is shaking the former president's hand, mm-hmm. and the former president's back is turned to the camera, and it's a firm handshake, and it says in handwriting, to Assam A. 
Guazawi. Best wishes, George Bush. Best wishes. Best wishes. Best wishes. From George. So for years, Bob Graham, former Florida governor and U.S. senator, pushed to successfully have portions of the reports on this Sarasota family declassified. Good. Finally. Yeah. Dan Christensen, an investigative reporter in Fort Lauderdale, made Mm -hmm. a push for the records to be uncovered as well, claiming in his investigation that he found, quote, many connections existed between the hijackers and the Saudi family living in Sarasota and the Saudi family living in Sarasota's connections to the government of Saudi Arabia. Right. So this just absolutely blows out of the water the idea that I think most people who don't it never did research on 911. Yeah, Most never people have the, the idea that fucking yeah. yeah. <laughs> Watch it. I know. Um the uh they all had the idea that it was like Osama bin Laden and a bunch of guys wearing like, you know, linen tunics sitting around in a cave in Afghanistan, mm-hmm. you know, like smoking a hookah or whatever mm-hmm. and fucking like, you know, whispering to each other like the plan, the time is now. Now's the time. It really was a wealthy family in Sarasota, Florida, who went to the mall and like watched movies and drank, and a bunch of American college-educated fucking young men with five o'clock shadow who all dressed totally normally. Yeah. Upper middle class. Upper middle class. Yeah. Exactly. So in a New York federal court... Thousands of families of the 9-11 victims continued to press a long-running civil case against the Saudi government, the royal family, and their affiliated banks and charities. The FBI has long insisted, obviously, that there is no connection between Saudi Arabia and the attacks. They also Um, insisted for a long time that they didn't kill John F. Kennedy. And we all know that's not true. Yeah. Um, right, because they're a traditional U.S. ally. And mm-hmm. in 2016, President Obama passed a law allowing the families to effectively sue the Saudi government. So apparently that is now legal and mm-hmm. is occurring. I wish everyone luck. Me too. Um, this is a quote from the big guys upstairs, though. Saudi Arabia is and has always been a close and critical ally of the U.S. in the fight against terrorism. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Any suggestion that Saudi Arabia aided the 9-11 plot was rejected by the 9-11 Commission in 2004, by the FBI and CIA in 2005, and by a second independent commission in 2015. We have investigated ourselves and found no wrongdoing. (laughs) We ourselves have investigated ourselves Mm -hmm. and have told you that we don't see anything fishy happening. Exactly. It's the classic police technique. Yeah, exactly. Um, So, yeah. It also says that it does not appear that any government other than the Taliban in Afghanistan financially supported Al-Qaeda before 9-11. Yeah. Hmm. Which, again, um, Osama bin Laden was Saudi, and Afghanistan doesn't have any money, okay? I'm just going to put it like that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's not Afghanistan. Yeah. They couldn't pull this off, okay? I'm sorry. It was never Afghanistan. And it was never the Taliban either. And I have another quote here. Saudi I think Arabia, the Taliban loved it, but oh, I don't they think they it. did it. Oh, yeah. They loved yeah. it. Yeah. Saudi Arabia has long been considered the primary source of al-Qaeda funding, but we have found no evidence that the Saudi government as an institution or senior Saudi officials individually funded the organization. So they even admit that they are the primary source of funding for al-Qaeda. Yeah. And the Taliban. Yeah. 
So um, what happened in Sarasota still remains a little bit of a mystery. Um, there's a myriad of inconsistencies, as we can see, with what the FBI says publicly and what is in their investigative reports, not to mention what's been redacted from those reports and been destroyed by the plane crashing into the Pentagon in that exact spot and Dude. by the demolition of Building 7 in Lower Manhattan on 9-11 itself. You fucking check it out for yourself. Demolition, she says, in quotes. In quotes. I digress. <laughs> I want to read you a little bit from my pet goat. A girl got a pet goat. She liked to go running with her pet goat. She played with the goat in her yard. But the goat did some things that made the girl's dad mad. The goat ate things. He ate cans and he ate canes. He ate pans and he ate pains. He even ate caps and capes. That's all I have for you. <laughs> That's all I could find, honest to God. I love it. He also sent AK-47s to the Mujahideen to fight the USSR in 1988. <laughs> yes, that's true. So although the 9-11 attacks unspooled hundreds of miles away, it swiftly became clear that Florida was the main staging area for the conspirators. And it's something we say often in connection with the Sunshine State and the shady business that goes on down there. It really does provide the perfect cover. It really, yeah. really does. So Fascinating. Muhammad Atta, the ringleader, began gathering his cronies in South Florida. Remember, he lived in Nokomis, and he was going to Sarasota every day, and yeah. he was going to flight school in Venice. God. But he would gather those other guys, the guys that weren't the actual pilots that crashed the plane, but were on the planes with them mm -hmm. um, in South Florida. So they began congregating there and establishing their lives in Miami, in Hollywood, Coral Springs, Deerfield Beach. Delray Beach, and Vero Beach. Good God. 14 of the 19 hijackers spent a significant amount of time in South Florida in the months before 9-11. This is fucking wild. There was just a few that were based in San Diego. Hmm. That must have been 15, 16. There was like, there was like four that yeah. were in California and like 14 that were in Miami. So insane. Yeah. I can't, I just... Didn't know exactly how deep the Florida ties went. Mm -hmm. This is nuts. They lodged in hotels and motels and mm. modest short-term rental apartments. Yeah. And a number of them even obtained valid Florida driver's licenses. Jesus Christ. Some of the valid Florida driver's licenses were the on among the only, besides a red bandana, uh -huh. evidence found in Pennsylvania. Oh yeah. Where the plane crashed but there was no plane. Yeah. Because it supposedly disintegrated on impact. <laughs> and yet somehow, like two Florida driver's licenses were found completely intact, just covered in a little dirt. This is another thing they go over in loose change, by the way. But also like that's crazy that they survived. We could spin it, it is in crazy. a like, wow, Florida driver's licenses are built they're built for tough, Yeah, they're, baby. <laughs> they're built to last. That's built right. Built to last. That's right. Those and, colors don't run. And I also told you in a previous episode that uh -huh. getting a driver's license in Florida is altogether too easy. Yes, you and did. And this just proved it. Absolutely. They had weird visas, weird like passports. Like a lot of them like had like German like temporary passports uh -huh. that then they went to the embassy in Germany to get yeah. the U.S. travel visa. Like. There's no reason they should have a Florida driver's license. You know, it's so fucking crazy, too. I keep thinking this to myself, that Florida's the only reason that George W. Bush was president in the first place. 
like only a year, like a year and a half. No, less than a year before this. I think because the, the election was November 2000. I think it went to January 2001. Oh, yeah. So less than a year before this, the hanging chads in the Florida election were what gave George W. Bush the office instead of Al Gore. I, I didn't realize it was in such quick succession. Yeah, fucking A. You're right. And his brother was the governor. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Wow. How crazy. Man, the ties just keep getting deeper and deeper. So infamously, three nights before the attacks, yeah. Muhammad Atta and Marwan al-Shahi ate oysters yeah. and drank vodka cranberries Yum. at Shuckham's, a yeah. raw bar on Hollywood's Harrison Street in Hollywood, Florida. <laughs> you think that was the final straw? They They're haggled like, this with the sucks. staff yeah. over a $48 tab. That was it. If they hadn't haggled with the staff, if they had just, <laughs> if they had just dined and dashed... And maybe they would have got cold feet. Exactly. And they reportedly The staff said, got lippy with them and they were like, this whole country needs to go. It's a bunch go. of whores. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> needs to go to the toilet. Um, apparently they yelled to the bar staff, oh, I can pay my bill. I'm an airline pilot. <laughs> Technically. Technically. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. He's going to get his debut in a couple days. It is funny to haggle over a bill Three days before you know that bucks. you're committing suicide. Forty-eight bucks between four people. Between two people, but yeah, so still, fucking who dude, cares? Come on. Forty-eight dollars. Yeah. And in three days you're dead. What does it fucking matter? Exactly. It's what not, do you got to hold on to the cash for? Thousand dollars for your family. It's it's forty-eight dollars and you're gonna be dead in three days. And exactly. you know that. Exactly. What's the difference? Why haggle? Great question. I have zero idea. So, um, ooh, what if mm -hmm. they actually are still alive? What? What if? What if okay, now you're, now you're <laughs> losing it. What if the, you know how they, the CIA trained where if a plane goes off course, the uh -huh. military planes go find that plane? Uh -huh. What if the military CIA plane came up to the, the plane that was going to go in the towers uh -huh. and evacuated the guy? Because the guy was a double agent and he lives in witness protection now. And that's why he was haggling with the bill because he knew he wasn't going to die. What if that's what happened? What if, baby girl? <laughs> what if? Okay. So they what also... What if I was born with a billion dollars? <laughs> what if you had a spaceship? All right. They also frequented a strip club in Daytona Beach called The Pink Pony. The Pink Pony. They were regulars at the Pink Pony Strip Club. Do we need to go to the Pink Pony? I think we should. I think we there do. Are two, there are two places to visit in Daytona Beach. The the bar called, what, Last Resort? It's the bar Eileen Warnos. Oh, yeah, that's right. At, that's right. Mm -hmm. And the Pink Pony Strip, Strip Club, and they're both in Daytona. So wow, go. we got to go. Zia Jahar um, rented an apartment in a place called Lauderdale by the Sea, which I assume is near Fort Lauderdale, but I've never <laughs> heard of it. Kind of sounds like it. Uh -huh. Um and he was the one who was at the controls of the United Airlines jetliner that crashed in Pennsylvania. Uh -huh. So he lived in Fort Lauderdale. And two days before the terrorist attacks, El Shahi and another hijacker, I wasn't able to figure out which one, but mm -hmm. they stayed in the Panther Motel in Deerfield Beach. And after checking out of room 12 to board their flights to basically do the thing, because mm -hmm. they had like a few connecting flights, remember? Yeah. Um, they left a Boeing 757 manual 
flight maps, a martial arts book, and a box cutter behind in the room in Deerfield Beach. Oh my God, guys. I know. Little discretion. How about it? I know. Fucking A. Mohammed Atta also left a backpack in the Portland airport that had all that stuff and like his will and like a... He a, wrote like, a will? Yeah, he wrote dude, a will. Dude, fuck you, dude. You That's don't get a will. the same guy that was haggling over the tab. So I'm thinking he's still alive. I can't, <laughs> I can't believe you think fucking Muhammad Atta is somewhere like Henry Hill at the end of Goodfellas. I don't actually. Um, so on May 6, 2001. They don't even have Zatar out here. <laughs> um, the, a bunch of the Shawarma, guys. it's just chicken with salt and pepper on it. A bunch of the guys registered for gym memberships at US One Fitness Center in Dana Beach. Uh-huh. They worked out a lot, apparently, between May 6, 2001 and September 10th or yeah. whatever. Yeah. To get fit. Mm-hmm. And they also took self-defense classes. Yeah. They even took lessons in, quote, close quarters combat mm-hmm. with a well-known instructor, Burt Rodriguez. Burt Rodriguez. I wonder if his career got fucked up. I know. I know. Or if it was only just that one guy. Poor motherfucker. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I have another story about Muhammad Atta. He keeps coming up. In May 2000, he nabbed a tourist visa from the U.S. Embassy in Germany. Then he Mm -hmm. flew to Florida. Then he started showing up in empty fields Uh staring at crop dusters. Okay. Like, he would show up to farms in uh-huh. Florida and, like, just gawk at the planes. Okay. And there's a quote here from a witness. Uh-huh. We had to run him away from the plane. We kept trying to... He kept trying to climb up on the wing. He Dude, wanted to climb the into the cockpit. Whoa, this is wild. Yeah, said a witness who spotted Atta on a rural airstrip in Belle Glade, Florida. I wonder if that was like an early plan was to like steal crop dusters and like use chemical weapons or something uh, yeah, like that. Yeah, I wonder. Man. Um, he then approached a USDA loan officer in Belle Glade, yeah. John L. Bryant, uh-huh. inquiring about a loan to buy a plane. Yeah. Quote, he said he was an engineer and he wanted to build a chemical tank that, hey, hey, there oh you my go. God, Nathan, How about that? that fit inside the aircraft and would take up every available square inch of the aircraft except where the pilot would be sitting. Damn. She said in an interview in 2002 for ABC News. This guy just, the only thing he ever wanted to do was commit suicide in an airplane. I guess. And murder. Murder, and suicide via airplane. Yeah. Fucker. Bryant said that Atta also dropped a name that she didn't recognize at the time. Uh-huh. Osama bin Laden. <laughs> But there goes your theory, unfortunately. I know. I well, do think no, that Osama bin Laden Atta must have been involved. was a fanboy of bin Laden. Oh, he's a fanboy? That's what I think. I think that Atta was in, very much wrapped up in the cult of personality that oh. Osama bin Laden was hawking. I he think, wanted Senpai to notice him. Exactly. Wow. She said, he mentioned that this man was special and would someday be known as the world's greatest leader. Mm-hmm. Bryant finished by saying, it's something that will probably be with me for the rest of my life. Yeah, that's scary as fuck. That's so scary. God damn, dude. And one final thing yeah. that happened in Florida before the 9-11 attacks is that Atta and other hijackers recorded a rap song. Shut the fuck up. They recorded a rap song? At a Sarasota recording studio. Are there copies of this rap song available? I couldn't find it. I have to hear this. I but have to hear this. they called themselves 
the Arab assassins. Oh my god. Oh my god. Our country was attacked by rappers from by, Saudi Arabia? By amateur rappers. Fucking SoundCloud rappers brought down the Twin Towers, babe. I have some lyrics from that song. Go. We could die any day. That's why we pray for such purposes. <laughs> okay. Five times a day, heads at concrete surfaces. Okay, not bad. It's murderous. Oh, uh, wow. Arab assassins. Oh my God. You've heard of us. Oh my God. <laughs> what? You're blowing my mind right now. 9-11 was done by rappers? Yes. Fucking amateur hip hop heads from Saudi Arabia? Yes. Did 9-11? Yes. They recorded a fucking diss track before they did 9-11? Yes. Why doesn't anyone know this? I don't know. This is unbelievable. I'm losing my fucking shit right now. I know. Are there any more lyrics? I have to hear the rest of the song. Those are the only ones I could find. Oh my god, I have to hear this song. <laughs> yeah. Concrete surfaces? Yep. Whoa. Yeah. Wow. Also, in all the hotels that they stayed at, um, they found a lot of porn and stuff. And they like got hookers on their last night and they went to the club. Of course they did. They were rappers. They they were living the lifestyle. They fucking jerked it to a bunch of porn afterwards. Of course they did. Rented. Like rented. Like they rented the videos. Well, you had to back then. There wasn't the internet. You know what I mean? It had to be like pay-per-view. It was pay-per-view. That's how they know. And I would love to know which ones they chose. Like what was the last porn that they chose before they died? You can only have one more porn. What is it? Yeah. You know? Exactly. Your last day on earth. Yeah. What are you jerking it to? Yeah. I'd be so curious to know. I can't believe they recorded a diss track. Mm -hmm. This is fucking crazy. Arab assassins. Get the fuck out. Do you remember when DJ Khaled's name was Arab Attack? (laughs) No. Oh, you don't? (laughs) No, I didn't. Yeah, yeah. He changed it after 9 11 because he was like, uh oh. Good idea, bro. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Uh oh. Is he Saudi? I don't know. He's from or Miami, is he though. Yemenite. I'm not sure. Fascinating. Mm-hmm. God damn. Dude. Well, you know, I think 9/11 wouldn't would have been prevented if DJ Khaled, if aka plane, Arab dude. Attack, no, would have just produced this song. Oh, you think so? Then they yeah. would have gotten fucking big. Yeah. That's I right. I think oh, all they needed was someone to believe in them. Someone to just believe in their talent, to see who they truly were, oh my and to, God. you know, sign them to a record label. And I think 9-11 could have been prevented. Oh, my God, dude. Yeah. Oh, the Arab It's kind of like Hitler. Like, he just Shit. wanted to paint... That's you know, exactly what I was. They thinking. were artists at heart. They were they were wow. musicians, and wow, they were just frustrated. They had a song to sing and they a did. story to tell. They did, and a plane to catch. <laughs> they did. Shit. Mm-hmm. Well, that's you have it. Thoroughly blown my fucking mind, babe. That was a great episode. I'm so glad. Jesus Christ. Yeah, the worst tragedy of the 21st century in America, done by a bunch of fucking guys from Florida. Yep. God damn. Wow. I have nothing to add. I know. Um, I can't believe in all of these years that I've like been aware of like all the conspiracy theories and all the general facts about 9-11, I had no idea they recorded a song. Mm-hmm. That is unbelievable. And now I'm going to spend the next week trying to find that song somewhere on the internet. <laughs> it's got to be around I'd love somewhere. to know what recording studio in Sarasota they recorded at Seriously, as well. Seriously, we 
could t- we could pay a visit. I know. We need to get Jesus. to the bottom of this. Oh, I need that entire song. It's fucking crazy. All right, All right guys. Well, I have to sign off. Huge fuck fuck those guys. Yeah, fuck those guys. Vampires. Yeah, fuck those guys Satanists. big time. Yeah. They're pieces of shit. And your um your conspiracy side didn't really come out that much. It didn't? This time. Yeah, you you kept it in check. I I'm curbed proud it. of you. Yeah. Curbed the gator the inside you didn't didn't come roaring out. It didn't. At any point. It can. It if, will. If you guys want to see that, I can do that. I can we should do, do some conspiracy shit on this show every once in a while. Just see see how far the rabbit hole goes. I know. Because I'm dying to know what's inside that noggin of yours. Yeah. Satanists, yeah. globalists, pedophiles. Basically. All right. All right. <laughs> okay. We love you guys. Thank you for listening and for putting up with us. Fuck Alex Mwah. Jones. Fuck 9-11. Fuck Muhammad Atta. Peace. Who's <laughs> dead? Who's 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 dead